Hey, it's Jeremy, and I just want to take a quick minute to thank everybody who's checked this out at SotaSoccer.com, S-O-T-A Soccer.com, and who has supported us and contributed to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash SotaSoccer. We're trying to bring the Minnesota soccer community unmatched, unprecedented, dedicated, unique coverage of Minnesota soccer that you're not going to get anywhere else with written pieces, podcasts, and bonus content available to our Patreon subscribers over at patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. So if you haven't sampled our written content yet, make sure you check that out at SodaSoccer.com. And again, if you want to go that extra mile and directly support what we do, every content creator that's on the Soda Soccer team is paid for their work. So if you want to help support that and contribute to that, just go to patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. You can contribute for as low as $3 a month. Big thanks to everybody who is supporting not only the podcast here, but SodaSoccer.com as well. Now to the episode. What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. We are here for episode 127 presented by SodaSoccer.com and we being me, Jeremy Rushing, and alongside me as always, Mr. Dominic Jose Bizonio. DJ, what's going on? Uh, things Things are well. I have two things to throw in the top of the show. One is that I realized last week I forgot to to mention... um, my article that I had out on the site, which was an interview with uh, Sebastian uh, Narvaez, who's the new head coach of Rochester FC on the men's side. So if you haven't checked that out, go check that out. We also have the audio of that on Patreon. Um, the other thing I want to shout out is, this is not part of our pre-scheduled sponsorship, but is uh, that I've been going to 9th Street the last couple of weeks, once a week, and uh, I've been having a really great time doing that plane pickup. Uh, and so I want to throw in a customer testimonial there to our go. sponsors over at 9th Street. I've been, I've been having a really good time. It's a great way to get some exercise. And um, what's nice, too, is, I mean, I, I, I think the costs in general are, are, are totally fine. But what's nice, too, is that if you want something that's a little cheaper, there are time zones to pick from that are a little cheaper or actually free. There's a couple free ones. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, you can get some really nice, really nice sessions going. I've had a really great time doing that the last couple of weeks. So um, just wanted to give them a quick shout out. Yeah, Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee has been a longtime friend of the show and friend of Soda Soccer. Just an awesome place to go and check out if you want to play some pickup. I mean, you don't even need to play pickup if you want to go there. I mean, literally the coffee shop has yeah. soccer on at any time there's soccer on to watch. So uh, you could just go and hang out and be, kind of be in that environment too. And then they have the uh, the youth training program and PLS soccer there now too. So if you have a if you have a young one interested in uh, you know learning the game and and checking that out, you can check out MPLS soccer. Um, I think NightStreetMPLS.com. That's N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com is where you can go to get all of that info. But uh, yeah, I mean, cool place, and it's good to know that uh, you know we get a we get a firsthand customer testimonial with you here, Dom. I'm sure the I'm sure the people at Ninth Street will love that. Um, we hope you're loving the show. We hope you're loving the content we're putting out. If you love the show and you're not subscribed, please do so. Um, lets you know when we drop a new episode. Also, lets you know when we drop a new interview. 
And uh, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer did a really good uh, interview with a few Gopher Soccer transfers. Um, the interview was a few weeks back, but you can actually hear the audio from that if you missed it on our podcast feed. Uh, Matt Pravratsky is the one who did the interview. Three different incoming Gopher Soccer transfers talking about, you know, what it's like being in the transfer portal in 2023, which I'm sure, you know, could fill multiple podcast episodes in and of itself, uh, but also kind of why they ended up choosing Minnesota and why the U of M and the Gophers were were the landing spot for them. So uh, really good interview on the college soccer side from Matt Pravatsky. You can check that out over on the Soda Soccer podcast feed. And then we also kind of have a little story up on that, little recap of that up on the website, sodasoccer.com as well. But again, those interviews aren't posted on like a, a, a regular consistent cadence. Really, whenever those interviews happen, that's when we post them. Um, so if you want to kind of get first dibs at, at knowing when those interviews are up on the podcast feed and you want to listen to those right away, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. Also leave us a rating and review on your preferred platform if you haven't. And remember, you can also follow us on Twitter at Soda SOC. That is where all the magic happens. And you can support us on Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Soda Soccer directly supports the work we are doing. Really the lifeblood of what we do at Soda Soccer is that Patreon. Um, you know, directly supporting our work gives us opportunities to do things like give you bonus content like this week's 10K stoppage time where we talk about potential Minnesota United breakout stars in 2023 who kind of who needs to step up in the absence of Emmanuel Reynoso or even if Reynoso is here who still needs to step up to give Minnesota that chance to extend their playoff run that is uh, something you can only find over on our Patreon and 10k stoppage time each week little bonus podcast so patreon.com slash soda soccer it's also the only place you can find audio from Minnesota United training sessions so when we head out to training in Blaine we're gathering audio obviously for stories and stuff but we take that audio and we put that right up on the Patreon so if you want to know what what Adrian Heath is saying what Hassani Dotson is saying you know what all what Loons players are saying about the season and you want to hear it as opposed to reading it, and you kind of want to get first dibs at getting access like we have um, there in Blaine, make sure you're subscribing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Soda Soccer as well. And one more note on the Patreon, your Patreon support and your support of what we do helps us do things like not only pay our writers, pay our content contributors, but also allows us to do things like we're going to be doing on the 25th. So the 25th is Minnesota United's home opener. It's in Dallas, as you probably know. We will be on site in Dallas on the ground covering that match in Frisco. I am heading down there the morning of. I am leaving the very next morning, but I will be there in Dallas in the press box in Frisco, um, you know, covering the action, getting exclusive access, in-person access to the team um, that you won't get anywhere else So um, while they're down there. So make sure you are subscribing to our Patreon so you can kind of support that because as you've probably seen flight prices lately not cheap to get a flight really anywhere um so make sure you're supporting what we do so we can keep doing things like that maybe head out to more road games as the season progresses obviously we can't commit to going to every single one but hey if enough of you subscribe to our patreon maybe we can go to every single minnesota united road match so um make sure that you are supporting us there so we can continue to do cool things like that bring you exclusive access like that the only way we can do that is by getting uh, getting our Patreon subscribers up and getting our support up there and getting our revenue up via Patreon. So make sure you're subscribing if you want us to continue to do that. Again, patreon.com slash soda soccer. Okay, shall we get in to the headlines, Dom? There yep. are plenty. Oh my goodness. Let's jump in. 
Of course, we're going to start with Minnesota United. And of course, we're going to start with Emmanuel Reynoso. Um, uh, on the on the notes here, Dom, I have labeled this ungood Reynoso news. <laughs> uh, I think that's a good way to uh, kind of uh, take the take the news that we gotten and, and you know provide an adjective to it. But anyways, our Tuesday morning started with us waking up, checking MLSsoccer.com, and seeing Matthew Doyle's sort of one big question for each team in the Western Conference in 2023 piece. And of course, his one big question for Minnesota United included uh, or was you know, what's going to happen with Emmanuel Reynoso, as is the big question for this team, uh, as we're nine days away now from the start of the regular season. But Doyle also added a little bit of reporting to his assessment of the Reynoso situation. And he said people that he had talked to, sources that he had talked to with the team, say the team is growing, quote, unquote, sour on Reynoso and his situation. That he has had sort of a, uh, I think the exact word used in the article was a laissez-faire sort of attitude off the pitch, um, you know, during his Minnesota United tenure. And that's, you know, something that as a team is not ideal, but it's something you can live with if a guy is producing on the field the way Reynoso has produced for this team. Um, But if he's not on the field producing then all of a sudden the, you know, any issues that are happening off the field, any leadership maybe he's not bringing off the field really comes to the forefront and it starts to become maybe something that, that you, you aren't willing to, or, or aren't, you know, you, you don't see the cost benefit analysis flowing in the right direction, I guess there is what I'm trying to say. So that's how we started our Tuesday. Um, we continued our Tuesday with a pre-scheduled media call. So it's not like this media call was scheduled around this new news that we got around Reynoso and his potential situation. This media call was scheduled days before. Um, and Adrian Heath, sort of the first question he was asked, courtesy of Jacob Schneider, uh, is, you know, what is, what's the status on Reynoso? And here was Adrian Heath's response. This is a long quote, so bear with me, but I'm going to go through the whole thing. Adrian Heath responded, quote, To be honest with you, I'm focusing on the people that we have here. You know, obviously it's a distraction we could have done without. I'd be lying if I said it doesn't concern me and I'm not disappointed, but it is what it is. You know, I can't physically change the situation when I've got so much going on here. As I've said to the group, as much as Ray is an integral part of everything that we've done over the last few years, it would be foolish of me not to admit that. But the bottom line is that we have a game in a couple weeks time. And we have to make sure that we are both mentally and physically prepared for that game. And that's what we'll do. Heath continues on to say, quote, we're working with the group that we have. I've asked the question, have we got any more updates? And I've asked the question, what's the situation? Because what it is, is that at this moment in time, he's not here. So let's concentrate on the players that are here. End quote. Dom, your response to kind of all the information that we got, both from you know Matthew Doyle and from Adrian Heath earlier this week yeah well it was certainly a lot to process and i think that um to some extent it um made some people's fears become reality when it came to what was going on in the situation because of course there's been a lot of um it's been a lack of clarity as to exactly what the what the issue is Mm -hmm. uh and, and to be frank even with all of this new information i'm not necessarily sure it's clear what the situation is correct but uh, to to hear um, to hear talk like this from from well not just the team but from Adrian Heath the the head coach I think has has struck a nerve with some people 
um, because you're not used to you're not used to uh, have, having to hear a coach talk about a situation in a team basically the same way that a, like the fans are. Yeah, <laughs> where where they're kind of saying, "I don't know, man," but I'm going to have to just deal with what what, what I've got. Yeah. Uh, that that's a striking thing to hear. Um, I, I think from what it seems like the situation is, I, I think that to to be fair, it's worth noting that Adrian Heath seems to be uh, handling the public side of this quite well. I, I can think of coaches yeah. that probably would have been a lot more um, merciless in how they're talking about a player that they're just quote unquote mm -hmm. disappointed in or whatever. Um, so you know th that, that that's worth noting. But yeah, yeah it, I, it was it was direct, but it wasn't like degrading. I no, guess, I mean it didn't feel like a personal attack. Yeah. It more just felt like an evaluation of the situation. Yeah, and um, yeah, you know, there's there's still a lot of questions there about what exactly is the the root problem causing Emmanuel Reynoso to not come back. Um, you know, we've heard a lot about there being some sort of personal matter. Um, I recall when the um, when the when the, the news came out that he was being uh, the pay was being suspended. Yeah. Um, there, there were there was a tweet from, um, you know, I'm forgetting who it was, but there was a tweet from someone connected to the club. Um, might have been one of the broadcasts, one of the commentators. Um, saying something about like I hope that he's okay or something. You know, th th there was. I'm there pretty was sure it was Callum Williams that that put yes. out that tweet. Yep. So there was this sense of like this is all a reflection of a problem in this person's life, but then you have some stuff coming out now that suggests that a factor in all this is, as you as you noted um, from the from Matt Doyle writing, uh, that there might be some sort of issue about a laissez-faire approach to the job, and so it's kind of hard to tell what what exactly the problem is uh, with Emmanuel Reynoso. It feels like we're hearing different things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in a way, this leaves more confusion. Um, I guess it's encouraging to hear a person in a leadership position at the team step up and say, like, well, uh, this is annoying, but we're going to have to just deal with it. I guess I'd rather hear that than hear a coach sort of wax lyrical about how this damns him in some mm -hmm. way. Um, but yeah, in, in a way, just more questions, to be honest, in a way, just more questions, uh, which is usually not what you what you get from uh, a lot of reporting about something. But mm -hmm. um, in a way, I'm more confused <laughs> than ever before about the yeah. uh, Emmanuel Reynoso situation. Yeah. And I think, you know, guys like me and Jacob Schneider, who, you know, we, we've talked to people at the club before and, and, and people have expressed at the club this, you know, uh, I, I guess, you know, this inideal situation uh, that Reynoso is, you know, not necessarily taking much of a leadership role off the field with the team that is more standoffish that, you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's been known more or less during his tenure with Minnesota, that he's not going to be that locker room leader, that rah, rah type of uh, type of presence. Um, what, and, and actually we forgot to completely talk about the suspension itself too. That happened since the last time we recorded. It seems like it was a, a month ago now, but it was since the last time we recorded. Uh, Amanda Reynoso suspended without pay. And when I, I put on the following, uh, on that Monday's uh, Loons Daily newsletter, that I think the suspension told us a little bit, you know, well, Minnesota didn't provide any additional information, obviously, besides the fact that he was suspended. I think we could read the tea leaves a little bit and and take something from that. And Obviously, if it were a situation where, you know, legally, governmentally, Amena Reynoso was, you know, still required to stay in the country, that he wasn't allowed to leave the country. Um, I don't think 
um, the suspension would have happened. I don't think we'd see Adrian Heath and, 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 go, and everyone talking about this the same way that they're talking about it. I also think on the other side, you know, we talked about personal issues and personal matters. If the personal issues and personal matters were so severe that it caused Ray to be in this emotional state where he just simply couldn't leave his family, couldn't leave, you know, couldn't head back to the States. I feel like the way we approach mental health and sports now that the team would have almost gone in the other direction and provided whatever support would have been needed for Ray to, to deal with that situation and overcome that situation. And there, I think been a lot more patience shown uh, to Ray. It doesn't seem like there's much patience from the league, obviously being shown to Ray right now with the suspension without pay. And then you combine that with the Matthew Doyle report. You combine that with the Adrian Heath quote. It very much seems like Amanda Reynoso can come to Minnesota. Like it, it seems like he can make the trip. He can join the team. It doesn't really seem like there are any barriers in his way to doing so physically, mentally, emotionally, legally, governmentally. He just isn't for whatever reason. And I think the more information we get, the more it seems like, again, speculation, not reporting. I want to put this in the speculation basket, not at all in the reporting basket. It seems as if this is a choice, a conscious decision for Amanda Reynoso to still be in Cordoba and not be in Minnesota as we stand now nine days from the regular season. And that, to me, is concerning in that that to me opens the Pandora's box of this extending far into the season, as opposed to him just wanting to skip a few preseason trainings, maybe not wanting to be in Minnesota in February and coming in the week before the the first game and playing himself into fitness over the first month. You know, I kind of thought that's kind of where we were headed with this up until Tuesday. Uh, but now it very much seems like there is a bigger issue at play and there is just a little bit of a, not even a little bit, that there's a disconnect between Ray and the club. Um, and the more information we get, the more the disconnect seems to be in a way that maybe a reconnection seems less and less likely. Right. You know, on on, on the on your point of uh, putting some things in like the trajectory basket yeah. or whatever uh you know the one thing that comes to mind to me is you know obviously a while ago there was the rumor report whatever about uh what was that i think it was boston the gamma were interested or making an offer or whatever and i think it, I, I think we can say now that that probably wasn't quite what happened but the, mm -hmm. you know whenever a report like that comes out there's usually a sliver of truth to it yeah and the part of me wonders if the sliver of truth in that one was the part where it said that he was kind of tired of mls mm -hmm. and um you know i just just the way this is all playing out uh i don't i don't mean that as like some sort of like you know like twitter indictment of mls or anything like that i just mean like you know it was said that he was disinterested with with playing in the league any longer i think the verbiage was would prefer to play in south america was yeah. sort of the exact verbiage yeah um and so i don't know on the conjecture side of this the way this is starting to transform in terms of what seems like to be the problem and so on uh does sort of align with some of that to me but yeah, this is probably going to be one of those situations where we don't quite understand the details of what's happened for a while um, and so, you know, obviously that's, that's just us sort of thinking about it with our own minds, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a bit of, it's turned into quite a mess. Um, I, you know, I, I've said before, 
or I think we both kind of said before, I, I guess the one bright side to this is that the team seem clearly aware that this is something that's happening, which means that it is in their, they, it's in their grasp to prepare for it from a playing side of things. Um, so I, I hope that being able to have time to anticipate this absence helps the team be ready to play without them. But uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of evolved into a giant mysterious mess. Yeah, uh, I, I do want to say on the on the club side of this, you had mentioned you know Heath kind of being being direct, but not necessarily slamming Ray. Um, I think the way Heath addressed this was uh, I was I was pleasantly uh, it, it was nice it was nice to see him address it the way he did because I think I I had written in the the little report I did on Matthew Doyle's comment that this has sort of been a saga that trickles information like a very slightly leaky faucet. Like it is, it has been, the information has been few and far between on what we know. But I do think Adrian Heath has been very direct, at least especially over the last couple of weeks about, hey, we don't really know much either. And then on Tuesday, we finally got the, you know what? We're not going to wait around for Ray. We're not going to settle for being in this will, will he, won't he purgatory of maybe he'll be here, so maybe we should start to plan. Maybe we should still plan for that. But also, obviously, we got these contingency plans that we need to try. It seems like Plan A is very much now. These are the players we have. This is how we're going to move forward. Yeah. And I do like the fact that it's a couple weeks from the regular season, and all of a sudden the Dallas game plan is. And I, I think the game plan for the foreseeable future is we're rolling with the guys we have. Plan A is the players that I have in front of me right now. And we are going to commit to doing the best we can with the pieces that we have while also still trying to bring in some other pieces to maybe fill in some gaps as well. Um, I like the commitment to that from the club and the outward commitment to that from the club saying, you know what? These are the guys we have. This is the squad. The way I see it, this is our squad. We would love to have Ray here, but that's not the case. We can't wait around. We're going to pursue the season as if Ray is not here. If he shows up, great. But this is this is who we're rolling with. I I like that. I, I like that commitment. I like that decisiveness. Um, because if you get to, you know, two, three days before the season, you're sort of sitting there half waiting for Ray to walk in the door in Blaine before the plane leaves for Dallas. Um, that's not going to do you very good, I think, in the in the case that you are without Ray Nosa for a long time. And suddenly you're sort of having to scramble and figure out a game plan without Ray. I like, I, I just, it's good to see the club choosing the direction and committing to the direction and going all in on that direction as we head towards the season. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now some non Reynoso news for you. There's plenty of non Reynoso news. If you read, uh, if you haven't read Jacob Schneider's loon droppings from the Tuesday media call and kind of from ever all the news that we've gotten both Reynoso and non Reynoso related over the last week or so. It's a must read. Go check that out at sodasoccer.com. It's one of the first few articles you will see there on the page and on the rotator up top as well. Um, but there was a ton of non Reynoso news as well. And some of it's good. Some of it's not so good, uh, but we'll start with midfielder Hassani Dotson. He has returned to training for the loons at a 100% rate. This is a good two weeks ahead of the original timeline that Adrian Heath gave. He gave March 1st as a full contact date for Hassani Dotson. 
And um, we're now at, at the time of this call. That was February 13th, I want to say, 13th, 14th. It was February 14th um, at the time of that call. And I, I think that's right. I think it was 14th, 13th, 14th. Anyways, yeah. I don't know. Time is time is a flat circle. But uh, <laughs> what, uh, earlier this week, uh, a good a good two weeks ahead of that original timeline, uh, Heath updated us saying that Hassani Dotson was at full strength um, and kind of training at a 100% rate. That is awesome news. Uh, the club's still awaiting the visa of newly acquired Mexican defender Miguel Tapias. This is normal. I would not put a, put a red flag on this whatsoever. I mean, last year, Kervin Ariaga got his paperwork approved on the plane to the opener in Philly. So, uh, I mean, we're, we're okay on the Tapia's front right now. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put too much uh, speculation into that. Uh, Swedish defender, Mikhail Marquez has finally arrived in the U S he's joined up with the team in California. Um, his initial thoughts on the defender were that he is quote, very, very smooth on the ball and comfortable moving the ball end quote. And noting that he's a very intelligent player. Now, the one thing that I really like about this, that sort of stood out to me. And we mentioned this off the air, Dom, uh, Heath mentioned that Marquez speaks four or five languages, which may not seem like a big deal, but soccer in America, MLS, these clubs are like a melting pot of different languages, backgrounds, you know, whatever. And that, while that's good, while it's good to have that diversity, while it's a net positive, I think, to have that diversity, there can be some challenges with communication and um, language barriers and stuff. So to have a guy like Marquez who speaks five languages, he can sort of be that middleman and, and help help communicate with people. And especially along the back line, when you're a center back, I think that is absolutely huge when you have, you know, a, a Finnish player in front of you who also kind of speaks English. Then you have two Argentines, a Honduran, you know, it's just like, there's this, all these different backgrounds and languages and, and whatever. It's, it's really, really good to, for a guy like Marquez to sort of have that ability to communicate. And honestly, when you're talking about building your roster, if he's able to, you know, show out good enough in preseason in the early portion of the season, that one little fact could be the difference in the amount of playing time he gets over the course of the season as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I see all the time players who are, who are very talented, who move, let's say from somewhere in Latin America to let's say MLS or maybe a, a English speaking league in Europe or something like that. And you know the player is very talented, but you see that it's not working. They have a real rough start. And almost always that comes down to the fact that they have not acclimated to their environment. They're having a hard time gelling with the new setting, the new team, the new players, the new coach. And um, I, I've seen this happen to dozens of really pro high prospect signings for uh, in MLS. Um, and And a great way to avoid that is by having those players be able to communicate in the language of the people they're around. That's actually why a lot of clubs, frankly, when say they scout in Latin America, will specifically target players that already speak English um, because they want to avoid, you know, that hurdle. Um, so, and I don't know the full list of languages that he speaks, but I imagine that it covers a bit of ground if it's four or five. Um, and so, the, and that that's awesome. I you know, obviously he's um, from Sweden, so you, I assume that he speaks Swedish, possibly English, and then maybe Portuguese or Spanish. And he has a Brazilian background. I'm sure that'll come out more later. But uh, it's really impressive. It's really impressive to speak multiple languages in the first place. Yes, correct. Um, and uh, yeah, so so a, a really nice tool for him to continue to kind of gel on the team and 
um, uh, I, I guess uh, also just sort of a nice um, reinforcement for us knowing that this is clearly a person that's got some uh, mental fortitude that can kind of take in a lot and process it and, and learn. And so that's always great to hear. Yes, absolutely. Uh, continuing the non-Reynoso news, uh, we caught maybe a look at what the formation may look like this season without Reynoso in the New York Red Bulls friendly. Um, the team went with a 4-3-3. They went dual eights, though. If we talked, if you listened to Stoppage Time last week, you heard me and Dom talk about different formation options. I sort of thought it'd be kind of the inverted triangle with the 4-3-3 or, or regular triangle, depending on, on what way you look at how a triangle should be in the 4-3-3 and inverted, whatever. Anyways, I thought that Robin Lud would sort of be the point of the triangle in the, from an attacking sense, and then you would have almost two sixes behind him in a way. Uh, but they went with the dual eights up top with Lud and Ariaga with Will Trapp sitting behind in the 4-3-3. Um, that is traditionally the 4-3-3, as we mentioned, a look that Adrian Heath has gone to in the past when Reynoso has been out due to injury, needing a rest, whatever it is. Um, so that could very well be the formation we see the Loons go with um, in Dallas on the 25th. Uh, also, transfer news, potential transfer news, very, very potential transfer news at this point. But Heath says the Loons are actively pursuing additions to bolster the squad, uh, noting that they're looking at bringing in an attacking player from outside MLS. Uh, when asked about intra-league moves, Heath told Media Tuesday that any addition at this point is likely to come from outside the league. So no inter-MLS news. So if you're scouring, you know, transfer market or who scored or whatever, for MLS free agents that Minnesota United could bring in unlikely as uh, you know, and this is traditionally what Minnesota has done aside from maybe will aside from will trap and uh, a few others. Um, traditionally, Minnesota United has looked outside the league for new talents. Um, and if they're not going to have Reynoso, I think it's very important that obviously a, a, a quality attacking piece is brought in. Uh, but I mean, the, I think the biggest news here, obviously Dotson back training hundred percent. And potential transfer news um, of new players uh, being brought in. Uh, Dom, any big takeaways from the the non Reynoso news dump there? Oh, uh, just just that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to have Dotson back um, with the with the Red Bulls game. It's interesting to see uh, we're you know a little more. It seems like a a clear idea taking a little more shape in terms of what the team's going to look like, who's going to be playing this season. Um, it, it's not great that that's been partnered with some pretty iffy results, but uh, mm. it, but it is interesting to see those ideas take shape. Um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of the transfer window, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, that 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 window is quite narrow at this point. Yeah. Um, so you know, whatever whatever moves they're going to make are going to have to be pretty pretty concise and pretty quick. Um, but uh, yeah, like you said, in terms of the attack, I mean, it would be great to see potentially at least one. Um, interesting reinforcements sort of come in to help uh, provide options, solutions to to not having Reynoso around. But, uh, well, I was going to say we're going to have to wait and see, but frankly, because of what's left of the window, I'm not sure we're going to have to wait much longer. So, yeah, correct. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what they make of that. And then uh, on the field, Loons fall 4-1 to one to San Jose in their, uh, for, in their second Coachella preseason match. Mender Garcia, the lone Minnesota goal on a PK. Christian Espinoza scores twice for the Quakes um, against the Loons, you know, 1.5 team, maybe even call it the Loons second team, if you will, um, on the field uh, in that one. 
The final preseason affair is Saturday of Vancouver. Now, we're not going to be able to watch this, but I think it's very important to keep a close eye on this one on social media because Heath hinted that this lineup could reflect who starts in the opener in Dallas next Saturday. So when you look at the formation, you look at who's in the lineup, um, that is going to be something to keep a very close eye on because without Reynoso, I think there are a lot of questions on on how things are going to look, who is going to be where. Um, is a guy like Tanya Luashe going to find himself in a prime spot? Um, you know, things like that. So uh, I, I think that's something to keep a close eye on. Again, that's Saturday. Um, I think 2 p.m. is the kickoff time for that final Coachella preseason match, their final preseason match before the MLS season starts. All right. Let's take a quick break here on the show. When we come back, we will talk lower league, USL League 2 and W League conference realignment. Really good news for your local clubs uh, in both those leagues. Minneapolis City announces a new kit a new UPSL edition, and a couple of Minnesota natives making big news as well in the soccer scene. So stick around. That's all coming up on 10K. We will get back into the episode in just a quick minute, but uh, of course you've heard us talk about Pence Holmes numerous times, not only here on the 10,000 Pitches podcast, but also on the Saloon's postgame show during the Minnesota United season as well. And the reason why we are so grateful for Pence Homes support is it's so rare to find a local business like Pence Homes who is so committed to helping support the local Minnesota soccer community. And that's what Nate Pence and his team have really shown, um, especially over these last few years. You know, they're sponsoring Minneapolis City Soccer Club. They're sponsoring Minnesota Aurora FC. Um, Nate Pence is huge into supporting Minnesota United as well, among other local soccer organizations and entities, Soda Soccer included, and 10,000 Pitches included. So, if you want to look at a business that's supporting the local soccer community but can also do a damn good job of helping you buy a new home, sell your current home, or do both at the same time, look no further than Nate Pence and the team at Pence Homes. P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com is the website. Go there right now. If you're in or around Minneapolis and St. Paul and you are kind of in that process of thinking about selling your home or buying a new home or doing both, which is super stressful, um, I highly recommend you go to PenceHomes.com and just check out their reviews. Don't take it from me. Take it from the hundreds and hundreds of people who have done business with Nate Pence and his team. It's probably thousands of people at this point, but the hundreds of reviews that they have over at PenceHomes.com from people who have actually worked with Nate and worked with the team and have had such a great experience. You can have that experience as well. P-E-N-T-Z-Homes.com. Or if I have sold you here, just email Nate directly. Nate, N-A-T-E, at PenceHomes.com. Huge thanks again to Pence Homes for supporting Soda Soccer and the 10,000 Pitches podcast. Let's get back into the show. Welcome back, and it is time to talk lower league. And we're going to kick things off with USL League 2 and USLW League. Both leagues announcing their conference realignment for 2023. And regionally, this just makes a ton of sense for all teams involved. I think it's really good for fans of your local clubs. Let's start with League 2. The Deep North Division is seeing a massive makeover in 2023. Here's how it'll look. So you have Minneapolis City, obviously, St. Croix, incoming Rochester FC, Wisconsin Clubs, uh, Bavarian United, and RKC Soccer Club. And then they are all paired with the two Canadian clubs, Thunder Bay Chill and FC Manitoba. Truly the Deep North in, uh, in 2023. And if you're looking at that, you may notice a couple of teams not listed there. 
and they are the two teams that finished top two in the deep north were actually the two deep north representatives in the usl league two national playoffs last year of course we're talking about des moines menace and peoria city both i mean obviously caused havoc for both minnesota clubs last year over the course of the regular season they are both now moving into the heartland division and the deep north will be without both of those two um, obviously opens the door for teams like Minneapolis City and St. Croix to maybe make a make a step up. I'm interesting to see how you know teams like Bavarians, RKC, and Rochester adjust to League Two, and then uh, you have the two Canadian clubs there as well. I just think regionally it makes a lot more sense um, for uh, for the teams in our area and just every team in the division in general. Yeah, no, I mean this is um, this is a very very smart decision by USL League Two. Because the, 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 as much as last year was fun, the, the small problem with the, with the plan that was in place there, and, and it would have continued to be a problem if, say, they had tried to sort of shoehorn Rochester and Bavarians and so on into that same group uh, with Des Moines, with uh, Peoria, is that if you want new teams to to come into a league and, and for them to enjoy their time there, their fans to enjoy their time there, to enjoy that sort of, so to say, expansion process, to use an MLS term, um, you, you can't be pitting them against the best team in the league. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, that's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I kind of made the joke to this after this news, and I, it's not meant as any disrespect to any of these teams, but it's like, it, it, it feels like it's, obvious that you you know if like rochester fc this year you don't want these teams to be joining the league worrying about like how many goals are the des moines menace going to score against us this season like that is a bummer of a tone for a team to start their life in a new league on it's it's just Mm -hmm. i mean that might be blunt but like that's just that's the the nature of it Mm -hmm. you want teams to enjoy their time you want this clump of teams, many of which are going to be new or close to new to this league. You want them all to feel like there's a genuine chance they could do something in their first or second year in this league. One of these teams is going to win this conference or yeah. this division, rather. So, you know, that is what's exciting. Um, so I, I think this alignment is much smarter. It allows for a little more sort of geographically natural set of rivalries to develop. You got your Wisconsin, your Minnesota, you got a little bit of the border in Canada there. Um, you know, you have some cool reunions, like the fact that Bavarians and Minneapolis City used to play against each other in um, the PLA. Yep. So you have a reunion there. Um, you, you obviously have a dynamic of, of, of Minnesota cities, Rochester, Minneapolis, and Stillwater, a little bit of a more clear connection between those three teams. Out, um, out uh, in Wisconsin, you have... You know, you have Milwaukee, then you have Racine and Kenosha. You have that dynamic. It's just a little more clear to me. It makes a little more sense. Mm-hmm. And one thing I pointed out is I actually think from a neutral perspective, it's a more interesting series of teams to be playing each other. Correct. So uh, I, I think all around, it's it's good from from the uh, club angle. It's good from the league angle. And I think it's good from a marketing angle. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think this is smart. And I like I, I think I already noted, but I, what's exciting to me is knowing now that almost certainly, well, not almost certainly, one of these teams is going to win this division and go into the playoffs. And there's a really high chance that a team from Wisconsin or Minnesota, in fact, the highest chance would be Minnesota, as most teams, um, is going to do that. That's yep. exciting from a local angle to know that 
one of these teams is going to be going to that next level and representing the area instead of just hoping that, you know, people get a couple points while Des Moines beat everybody. Like th yeah. this is a more engaging conf uh, division. So yeah, I, I think, I think it's a really smart move. I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these matchups, a lot of interesting histories combining a lot of, uh, you know, if you're a fan of one of these teams, you're now going to be playing almost exclusively teams from places that you know about, that you have yep. feelings about. And uh, that dynamic, I think, is, is really exciting. I think also the travel aspect of this, too. I think yep. I think when you talk about lower league soccer, one of the biggest hurdles that teams have to overcome and one of the biggest factors that determine what league somebody wants to play in is like, how much am I going to have to travel? How much are my players going to have to travel? Do I have to need, do I need to get a bus or is it can we all, you know, carpool? That sort of thing what league two has done with this realignment is they've made travel a lot easier. Now, is it easy relative to MASL, Wapassel, you know, uh, Midwest premier league? No, but relative to what it was last year, when you have Minneapolis city having to go to Peoria, Illinois, and then having to make two trips up to Canada. And it's just like, that's half your road schedule where you're traveling more than like, you're traveling upwards of like nine hours, right? This way, Yes, you have the two Wisconsin teams, and yes, you still have the two Canadian teams. But I mean, other than other than traveling up to Canada, you know, everybody's within your the two Wisconsin teams are within a four or five hour drive, and then obviously you have the teams here in Minnesota with St. Croix and Rochester making a you know making it a much shorter trip. So I think travel wise, it's a huge win, and I think that's something when when you want to get a club into your you know into your league. For example, let's say USL League 2, and they probably have. I don't know this for a fact. Let's say they've been court, trying to court Bavarians for a while. Well, if Bavarians looks at it from Milwaukee and say, okay, I'm going to have to go down to Peoria, Illinois. I'm going to have to go down to Des Moines. I'll go over all the way over to Des Moines, Iowa. I'm going to have to go all the way over to Minneapolis, then Stillwater, then Rochester. Then I'm going to have to go up to Canada. Like, that is, like, all of your road games at that point are, like, at least a six-hour drive. Whereas yeah. in the UPSL... Not so much, right? Six hours may be the farthest, the absolute farthest you have to go for uh, for a road match, and that's when you're talking. That's only if you're talking postseason or like interconference competition or interconference competition. Excuse me. So, yeah, I think it makes it a huge win. I think the more you can limit travel, the more you're going to be able to pull in some of those really high level regional clubs like Bavarians, um, make it really a lot more attractive for new clubs. Because I mean, when you are launching a new club, uh travel expenses are a big point oh, yeah. of uh, is this realistic or not right so um yeah i think that's a huge win all around for for league two to to put these divisions the way that they have um and i, I think it's just a, a really um i think it's going to make for a you mentioned it dom it's going to make for a much more there's, I think there's gonna be a lot more parity within the division this year and i think it's, it's going to be a lot more fun there's going to be a lot more opportunity for you know road support as well uh, for these clubs, and I think that's that's good all the way around. Um, Bavarians also announcing former Montreal Impact and LAFC midfielder Callum Malice as the head coach of their USL2 team. Uh, the Scotsman played for Minnesota United in the NASL for one season in 2023 on loan from the Impact. And then RKC, which is uh, the Racine Kenosha Club, they announced Sean Hughes as the USL2 coach for 2023. Hughes brings eight years of experience on the coaching staff for the Marquette men's soccer team, he was attended and played for Northeastern State, Oklahoma University, and Cardinal Stritch University. And then finally, Minneapolis City announced their first player for 2023, returning midfielder Jamison Charles, 
Charles made three USL two appearances and two NPSL appearances last year. And that was his first season with the club. So he is back for a year two. league two, not the only USL league announcing division realignment, USLW league, league doing the same and uh, positives all the way around. I think similar to what we're looking at with league two. Uh, so here's how the Heartland division will look in the USLW league in 2023. So obviously you have Minnesota Aurora there. You have Rochester FC joining. You have RKC Soccer Club, um, the women's side. You have the Green Bay Glory. You have Chicago Dutch Lions, Chicago City, and Bavarian United. We'll talk about regional. This is much more regional than we saw last year. Yeah. Um, and I think again, a, a huge, a huge W for the league to make things just so much more, so much more doable, so much more feasible, so much more realistic uh, for these clubs to have you know more local road matches that aren't going to be a headache for them to make trips to um, aren't going to be a headache for their supporters to potentially make trips to um, you. It creates more uh, upper Midwestern regional rivalries uh, opportunities as well. And I think it just, it just makes all the sense in the world similar to league two. Yeah. You know, one thing I'm thinking of off of all this and, and, and frankly, it was more the case actually with the USLW league than, than even USL league two, but with both of them, Last year, a lot of fun, a lot of great things being done by, on, on both sides um, by the, the sort of four upper Midwest teams between those two leagues. But it, it, it very much felt like Minnesota, and in the case of the W League, uh, Wisconsin with the Green Bay Glory, were sort of guests in other people's space. And what, what is great about this realignment with both, and, and, and frankly, even more with the W League, where you had these teams having to go to Caw Valley and all these other uh, teams, you know, far, far away. Is now it feels like these divisions are meant to be identified with Wisconsin, Minnesota, and, and the WLE's case of Northern Illinois as well. Uh, you know, it feels like they're actually designed to be homes for these teams, whereas last year it kind of felt like all these teams were sort of the guest stars, and of course Aurora, very successful guest stars. But it felt like the the divisions weren't built for their presence. And uh, it, it's really cool to see that flip where now it feels like, I mean, in that, in this uh, W League conference, in this Heartland division, rather, Aurora are the shining star of, mm-hmm. of this, this new division um, or this redesigned division. So, um, and, and, and in the Deep North division as well, I think you can make that case for, for teams like Minneapolis City or Bavarian. So uh, I, I think that's a really cool way to venture um bet, better accommodate these teams you know the USL lead two and the W lead clearly want to in, to invest and grow their presence in this part of the country it's not a place that they've had much of a presence before and they're clearly trying to change that but you don't just do that by throwing a, a team into one of the states you you do it by developing real regional division identity uh, and that feels like that's what both these realignments do. So, yeah, very, very excited to see what, uh, well, first of all, what Aurora do this year in general, but then what your newer teams like Rochester or, or Bavarians uh, do in this sort of rework space. Uh, RKC also signing their first player for 2023, Brandy Thompson. Thompson attends the University of Cincinnati and is a Brookfield, Wisconsin native. Um, let's quickly get into some other lower league news. Of course, uh, the uh, every year people wait on pins and needles for the Minneapolis City kit. 
Um, they released their home kit for 2023. It's the Birds of a Feather kit. It's got a collar. It's got a a, a crow feather, almost as like a sash uh, down the uh, down the shirt. Um, I, I really like this. Every year, I wonder how exactly they're going to make something different and sort of push the envelope. Um, I, I think this is a little bit a little bit cleaner, a little bit. I mean, it's a little bit less busy than they're than they're used to um with their kits but it's still a really creative look and design there were i think four different options to choose from for the minneapolis city um members they're the ones who had the final vote on the kit and it is this one that uh that took the cake but Dom, we were talking off air this was not your favorite of the options no and and and, you know you actually do make a good point there i i I think that's a good point of um i guess the sort of would be the word cleanness of of this kit where you have sort of this one real accent point with the the feather and otherwise it's a it's it's more of a the kit's almost more of a like a palette for that accent point to flourish whereas in the past there's been some very uh i say this word in a positive way but some very noisy <laughs> kits from minneapolis city is a little different um yeah my, my the one that struck me and i think i might have even like tweeted about this or something but um was uh i don't recall what they called it but it was the halved one where it was it was halved down the middle so one side of the torso was black one was white and the shoulders were the opposing colors i really liked that one i think it just um had a little bit of a sort of old school look to it that's sort of an older school design you don't really see like more simple sort of halved kits anymore and i thought it worked quite well with the black and white um and, and just sort of the other little um, details that were on it, like the sponsorship details and the league badge and that kind of stuff. I just thought it looked good. Um, that's probably what I would have voted for. But I, you know, I I do think that the the one that's been picked, the feather one, is is really nice. The feather looks great as a sort of that accent point stretching across. Is sort of a reimagining of a sort of the diagonal stripe kind of kits that you see now and then. So mm-hmm. um, and obviously mm-hmm. this was you know picked by the people that have the strongest opinions about it. So. Yeah. Um, that's, that's how that should be. So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, it was fun to see all these different designs come out and, and to sort of see discourse around them. It's always a fun part of the year. Um, and I look forward to seeing how, uh, how these look on, on real people running around later this summer. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely. Um, but FC and other news joining the UPSL. Um, I think this was a move. I- I've kind of seen this coming for a while now. Um, you know, they have really been exploring friendlies out of the Wapassal season against UPSL clubs, sort of testing their metal. They've been very competitive in those friendlies as well. Uh, this is a club that has, has really been at or near the top of Wapassal for the last four seasons, it seems like, uh, or, or three seasons, excuse me, basically ever since they've been in existence. Um, and, uh, you know, I think this is about the right time for them to sort of take that next step. Um, it is a huge loss for Wapassal. Um, to lose Bateau. Luckily, you have Union Eau Claire there in that market who has really sort of solidified themselves as a, as a viable option to compete for the league title already. So that is good. Uh, but a big, big move for Bateau joining the Midwest West in the UPSL. A little bit more travel for them, but a little bit more exposure for them as well. Kind of getting to come across the border a little bit to Minnesota for a handful of matches. Very interested to see how year one goes for them in 2023. Yeah, it's a very interesting leap for them. Um, to your point, I mean, this is a this is a project that has thrived in its current stage, and so it's it's reasonable to want to expand and grow. Um, you know, it's 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 funny we have this sort of wave of this happening with with 
La Paso, obviously, uh, the Wolfpack slash Superior City, similarly making that jump up, up further north. And it, it's easy to forget that this is actually the process that birthed a lot of the uh, sort of standard NPSL, UPSL, USL 2 clubs yep. that we know now. A lot of these teams started as MASL teams or DASL teams or whatever, you know, some other similar level. And so uh, it's kind of cool to see a little bit of a, a age of expansion happening with Wapaso with those teams. But uh, and, and by the way, I think it's really exciting that the UPSO will kind of play host to a, a, a fun Wisconsin rivalry now, probably between Superior City and, and Bateau based on their sort of history as organizations. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they are able to deal with the the increased challenge level, I think, for both of those teams, by the way, Superior City as well. It's going to be really interesting to see how they uh, pool talent, how they organize their rosters. It's a new level, a new challenge for them. But I think both are are, are very capable of taking it on. And uh, Bateau have certainly shown that Wapasso was was perhaps uh, perhaps uh, maybe too easy for them to uh, to dominate, <laughs> and perhaps needed something something bigger. So uh, yeah, and and, and you, you make a great point, by the way, which is the nice thing of all of this is that Eau Claire is not losing its sort of will pass level representation because of course you have union Eau Claire kind of taking up the torch on that one mm-hmm. uh, already had a really good season last year and i'm, I'm sure are going to continue that work so i think that's a nice sort of splitting of the ways that that keeps the city represented on those two different levels definitely um rochester fc or excuse me no yeah, we'll, we'll go with Rochester FC here. Rochester FC announces their U19 girls team will take part in the USL Academy Cup in Tampa, Florida. So we'll kind of get at some level uh, a little bit of a uh, of a first look at what this Rochester, uh, you know, uh, female program will look like uh, with this Academy Cup uh, in Tampa. Very, very cool opportunity for them. Um, and then on the on the Minnesotans sort of in the pros or Minnesotans making news on the field side, uh, we'll start with Herbert and Dele signs a one year contract with FC Dallas. He, of course, was their first round pick in this past uh, January Super Draft or past December's Super Draft. I think it was in December. Yeah, it was in late December. Uh, Super Draft. He signs that one year deal with a club option for 2025 as, or 2024 as well. And, uh, you know, interesting to see if he is in the in the match day roster when Minnesota heads down to Dallas for the opener on the 25th. Uh, but, you know, I've seen some pictures and, and short clips of him doing his thing in preseason as well. I don't think he's gotten on the score sheet yet for Dallas, but um, definitely getting some looks in the preseason. We'll see if that translates to, uh, you know, time with the first team once we start the uh, regular season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see how much actual, actual time he gets, but you know, that's, that's always sort of that tedious challenge you have to face just as a, as a rookie, but it's really great to see that he has sort of sealed that first step or the second step, I guess that's the first step was getting drafted, but that second step of, of getting on paper with FC Dallas, he's got a year to work with potentially more. Um, that's always that, for, that big hurdle that a player has to get over. Uh, it's one thing, it's a lot of work to get drafted, but there's a lot of work to then prove to the team that drafted you that they actually want you. And mm-hmm. uh, he's clearly done that done. And yeah, we, you know, we've, we've seen some bits of him. He's playing some friendlies and that's really encouraging. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's great for him. Great little representation for Minnesota players outside of, uh, you know, the state and hopefully, uh, well, I don't know if, I don't know if I want him to have a great uh, first game if he plays against Minnesota United, but other than that, hopefully he has a great season. Uh, as he sort of builds up this this great career he's got ahead of him. 
And now when you look at the future, I mean, obviously Herbert and has a huge future in front of him, but when we look at the future in terms of youth players who could, you know, be that Minnesotan who goes pro not only in, in maybe an MLS, but you know, elsewhere abroad as well. Um, I think Micah Burton is a kid who is really sort of taking that throne two starts for the U S youth national team, U 17s in the CONCACAF championship, uh, CONCACAF U 17 championship, I should say. Um, and he scores a goal against Trinidad and Tobago as well uh, in the run of play. So, I mean, this is a kid who he's kind of one of those, uh, unfortunately, one of those examples of ones that got away from Minnesota United. But in, in any way, either way, it's great to see, you know, uh, a kid from Mounds View, uh, you know, really making a, you know, putting a, uh, putting a firm grasp on him sort of being that one of those top prospects in that U.S. player pool. Um, he's with Austin FC's Academy right now. Um, really interested to see if he gets uh, some time, maybe an MLS next pro this season, uh, as well, um, to continue to kind of further his career and his skill set. But just uh, uh, if you're not keeping a close eye on Micah Burton, you know, open up your foot mob app, you know, turn on the notifications for him, uh, because he is a kid to be watching out for and looking out for. And I'm really excited to see what his, his future, both in short term and long term, looks like because he is making huge waves right now. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, it's worth noting, I mean, that that um, U.S. team is really performing high right now. And I think they just mm-hmm. won their group. So, uh, you know, he's he's doing this with a with a side that's performing very highly. It's not just that he's walked into a, you know open space. He's had to compete for that, I'm sure. So, yeah, really great. I think he's a was he a, I think he's a former St. Paul Blackhawk kid as well. So shout out to them. Um, and, and I'm sure they're very, very proud of that connection as well. But, yeah, it's really cool to see him growing at such a young age, but, but shining and, and surely has a more active pro uh, future ahead of him in the next couple of seasons. We'll see, like you said, how, how active he is with Austin FC, whether that be MLS Nets pro or, or higher, but uh, yeah, really, really cool to see him laying that sort of uh, groundwork for the, his future with some really great performances in the U S. All right. Time for top four. Now, as we sort of take, uh, you know, some non Minnesota soccer related stories and looking, uh, looking at those, um, a little bit deeper, um, first things first leaked MLS kits. Well, I guess not leaked. Uh, they were leaked a little bit before via the, uh, Adidas's uh, European website, but they were actually announced officially uh, by a handful of MLS clubs yesterday. You had, you know, Seattle Sounders involved. You had Charlotte, um, Atlanta United, among others. Um, and I have to say, Dom, this is as, you know, for better or worse, this is as as creative as I've seen Adidas get with their kids. I think gone are the days of the plain whites. If you remember just a couple of years ago, every team it seemed had a plain white kit. Uh, this year, not the case. Um, a lot of creativity. Um, you know, some people like some of them, some people don't like some of them, but at the very least, it's good to see Adidas sort of, you know, quote unquote, getting with the times, if you will, and actually putting together some really interesting designs with these kids. Yeah, absolutely. There's been some really interesting ones. I, I don't think I've seen a single one that I didn't, that that wasn't good. I think I've liked every single one I've seen. I, the, the only funny criticism I've seen, and actually I think, uh, shout out to Jacob Schneider, I think I might have gotten this from, from him, was that the, the Seattle Sounders kit, which is great. I believe it's uh, supposed to be like a Bruce Lee themed. Yep. Um, r- really cool, really cool details on that. The colors look great. The only problem is it's kind of technically an RSL. Kit. It is, it is isn't it? I, when yeah. I saw that, I thought for sure it was RSL. I was like, oh, that's a cool design for RSL so, kit. No, it turns out it's Seattle. It's like, how do yeah. you use like the exact color scheme? 
of an opposing team in your kit. I get I get the homage to Bruce Lee, but yeah, I, that, that was my first uh, reaction to that one too. I was like, it's a cool design, but not sure about the color choice of that. Not sure. To be perfect, yeah, I mean, I, I think you could have potentially done a, a very effective kit tributing Bruce Lee without doing those color that color scheme. But anyways. I feel like a white no. kit with black, or sorry, a yellow, a yellow kit with black stripes was fucked the same right in front of you to do the the classic jumpsuit. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, it looks great though. So I I, I hope RSL fans uh, have fun buying that and stitching RSL badges onto the front of it. But um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to when Minnesota United joins this uh, list of celebratory fan bases. Yeah, um, so I think the one I really don't like out of these leaks, the FC Dallas Burn Baby Burn kit. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've seen this one yet, Dom. I believe I did. That sounds... It's just like random flames that are put <laughs> on the kit. With It doesn't seem like any rhyme or reason. And they're facing different directions. And like, like you could almost like confuse them for leaves as well because they're just like gray on the white kit and i don't know it doesn't oh, it doesn't look mean. yeah that just is just not a good look um charlotte's is really good um i really like the red bulls kit although i think the new red bulls kit and philadelphia kits are both very very similar true um in and of themselves um the nycfc kit is really really clean um austin's is interesting I've seen I'm I'm I've seen some mixed reactions on Austin's. So it's it's the stripes kind of like it was last year, but in various sections of the kit, the stripes are in various sizes and like how many stripes there are. And it doesn't seem to have much consistency to it, but I also think that's kind of what makes it interesting. There was also a picture of a player actually wearing it versus it just being by itself. Um, and I thought it looked a lot better on somebody than by itself. So that could be that could be something as well. I think a lot of people had that um, opinion of the river kit for Minnesota United a couple of years ago. They weren't sure how how about it. But then once they saw the players start wearing it, they liked it a little bit more. Uh, but on the Minnesota United front, yeah, it looks like if the if it if the translation from the socks to the kit is the same with Minnesota as it was for Atlanta, the socks have already been leaked. Um, there's, is going to be some sort of, uh, some, some like purple accents in there. So it's not just going to be blue. I think it looks like it's going to be like a blue base kit with some sort of like Northern likes lights accent to it. Mm. Um, so you know, that kind of what we, what little like leaks or what little tidbits we've been given from the team and what people are saying online, that seems to be what it, it'll look like. If you are listening to this on Friday, you probably already know what it looks like. It's probably either, either been leaked or officially announced. So apologies if you hear us speculating on what it looks like and all of a sudden it's out and you know we're recording this on Thursday morning is what it is. Uh, we may need to we may need to readjust our recording time, Dom, because it seems like <laughs> hours after we drop a new episode, it seems like new new information is just, all the new information just comes to light about everything that we talked about on that week's episode. So anyways, um, that is my first top four ends in a rant or a bit of a ramble, but here we are. All right, Dom, what's yours? Uh, my first top four is just a cool, uh, this actually happened last weekend. Um, but I found out about it after we recorded funny enough. Uh, but, um, this is a cool event that took place on, um, uh, Madeline Island and, uh, 
in uh, Lake Superior up north. People who go up to the North Shore probably heard of Madeline Island. Uh, and it was just a cool, it, uh, officially it was called the Intertribal Snow Snake Festival, but people were, were deeming it the uh, Indigenous Olympic Games. And it was just a cool um, meeting uh, of folks from different uh, tribal nations that went to Madeline Island to play. I think that specifically Snow Snake was the sport they played. But the part that's cool about it is that this gathering um, was actually banned, uh, I believe it was 150 years ago. Um, not long after um, Wisconsin and Minnesota were becoming states, it was banned. And this is the first time, or this was the last, the first time that it had been brought back, reorganized mm. this gathering of people on Madeline Island to to play a uh, snow snake. And I believe there were other other games played as well. It was just a cool uh, bringing together of, of of history and tradition. That was that was uh, cool. That I saw some some different people reporting on. Uh, I think there was like an NPR story or something like that. But um, yeah, so just a cool thing that I saw uh, that uh, I wasn't sure many people had heard about. That is very, very cool. Um, my second top four, uh, we got to talk about it. Uh, unfortunately, we got to talk about it. Fortunately for you, we get to talk about it. Unfortunately for me, we get to talk about it. Uh, I believe it was 2-0 final. Uh, Liverpool over Everton. Uh, Toffees did not look the same in that match at all than they did against Arsenal. Um, the, the thing that really turned this game on the, on its head was in the first half, the Toffees get inches away to scoring off the set piece, uh, a header that goes off the post and then Liverpool hits the quickest counter attack I've ever seen in my life. Um, ends up like, I think it was end up being like five on two yeah. counter where Liverpool had yeah. five and Everton only had two defenders cause they had everybody up on the, you know, on the trying to get the rebound off the post. Um, so it was just terrible timing to get caught on a counter like that. Not sure what Jordan Pickford's doing comes, come, he doesn't, he kind of comes off his line, but he kind of doesn't, he leaves like a wide open goal. Uh, Mo Salah puts it away. And that was, that was really it. That was really it. That was the game right there because at, from that point forward, Everton just doesn't have the attacking presence to, to, to get a goal from behind. They just yeah. don't the way that they're going to stay up if they stay up. And I do think that they'll stay up, but the way that they're going to stay up is to play really grimy, muddy, you know, un unpretty football and either come away with a nil nil draw or squeak out a goal somewhere in there. And, and, you know, either come away with a draw or like a one nil win. That's the, that's, that's what's going to, that's what Everton's going to look like the rest of the season. I think that that is the type of, of game you need to play to stay up because that allows you to stay. You can get a result against anybody if you play like that. But when you go down early like that, you're just the way that the style that they play. And then the, the lack of attacking presence, Calvert Lewin was out as well. Um, obviously Anthony Gordon's not there anymore. They just don't have the dudes up front nowhere close to the dudes up front to get a goal from behind and push and, you know, and leave themselves vulnerable at the back. Yeah. They just don't. That's the, the, if they go down early, you're going to see the same exact thing happen that happened against Liverpool. Yeah. It's interesting when you see, and I think you're right to highlight that, that moment or series of moments that led to the first Liverpool goal as decisive, because, you know, if that header from Everton had gone in, I think it's entirely possible that Liverpool would have dropped, um, it would have lost momentum, would have mm -hmm. dropped energy, 
And then suddenly, perhaps you don't even have those two goals happen in any particular way. You know, we, we've mm-hmm. seen Liverpool deal with that a lot this season, conceding early and then losing energy. Um, but that's the coin toss, I guess, that is, you know, soccer. Um, yep. If you if you miss a chance, you, you might, you know, suffer for it. So, yeah, I thought, you know, Liverpool, I, I think, performed really well. I think they stepped up to the day. It did not necessarily increase my confidence in the team overall, but it was great to see those players capable of, of you know, getting into that gear after a long time of feeling like they couldn't. Um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, that loss, I don't think, should dissuade anybody too much from the sort of mission Everton are on with Sean Dyche now. I think that it didn't quite work out, but frankly, it was close to working out. They really just got unlucky with that chance not coming together. Um, and, and I think you saw in that Arsenal game that he, he has the ability to get these guys to get points. I mean, frankly, what Everton need to be more concerned about isn't necessarily beating Liverpool. It's it's beating, uh, you know, the Southamptons and the Leeds yep. and the Bournemouths and the Forests of, of the world. So uh, I think that Sean Dyche is capable of doing that. So. Yeah, you know, I, I I was glad to see Liverpool win. It's been a hot minute since that happened. Um, yep, been a hot minute since they scored a Premier League goal. What's it been like? True. Six matches or something like that. Something so. like that. And and uh, Cody Gakpo got his his first Premier League goal. He's played several games, but this is his first yeah. one. Um, so yeah, no, I, it was nice to see some players kind of step up that haven't really been looking their best uh, recently. But you know, in, in a funny way, Everton. And Liverpool are sort of switching back and forth between who has a good week and who has a bad week. So (laughs) maybe next week Everton will have the good one. We'll see. But uh, yeah. All right, Dom, wrap us up here. My last one is is actually European football related. It's a quick shout out. If you aren't paying attention to the Europa League right now, you probably should because there's some crazy things coming. Actually, today are some of them, but next week are the the second legs. I mean, we've got... Barcelona versus Manchester United, which in itself is a crazy game. But then there's a lot of other big teams in the mix in, in this stage of Europe. You've got Roma, Salzburg, Leverkusen, Monaco, uh, Sevilla, PSV, Juventus are in the Europa League this year. They're playing uh, Nantes. I don't actually know how you say that. The, the, the French club. Um, Union Berlin, Ajax. Like, there's some crazy. Yeah. But Shakhtar and, and Rennes. Like, there's some really crazy matchups in this stage of the Europa League that you should be checking out if you have time and if you have Paramount Plus, I guess. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously at this stage, people tend to focus more on the Champions League, which is understandable. I probably will too. But uh, it's always fun when you get some pretty cool matchups in the uh, Europa League and I guess now the Europa Conference League as well, um, where you kind of have these, these giants facing off at these different levels, so... Yeah, I think more interesting to me than like the Giants and the Barcelona Man United matches are like the the top level non Big Four teams against like mid level Big Four teams. So what I mean, like yeah. Salzburg and Roma, for example. Yeah, like that's like a comparable matchup that I'm really interested to see. It's like it's like if you compare it to like college basketball and March Madness, it's like that that world beating, uh, you know, uh, mid major team taking on you know uh, a team that finished third in the Big Ten. Like it's, right. you know, it's, it's one of those where it's like, you're really interested to see how those teams match up. You know, if it's Salzburg and Barcelona, eh, probably not going to go Salzburg's way, but like that, just that mid table or like, you know, close to top table Serie A team against, against the, you know, the, the, the champions of, 
of yeah. uh, of another league. So I, I think that's just so I, those matchups are so interesting to me um, in this tournament. Those are the ones I, I find myself paying more attention to those since Barcelona uh, than Barcelona Man United because it's like I don't know. I've seen Barca Man U eighty billion <laughs> times great. between Champions League and Europa League, uh, and neither of those teams are particularly interesting to me this season, anyways. So. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think Europa League is interesting. You know, people, you know, like you call Europa League like like the B to the Champions League A. And like I get that, but you still get really interesting matchups in, in Europa yeah. League as well that I think are 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 really interesting to watch. So that that's a that's a really good show. Yeah, and the, the, a quick to your point, one of the ones I'm actually really interested in is, is that Ajax Union Berlin game. Union Berlin yep. are doing really good this year. They're actually technically like challenging Bayern for the title, but I think that's more yep. of an overperforming on paper. I think that group is probably more mid table, like you said. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what that looks like against Ajax. Of course, I mean, they're always good. They're doing very well this year. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so interesting matchups. All right, and interesting matchups ahead for Minnesota United as we are about nine days away from the regular season. Again, we will have on-site coverage from Dallas. I will be there in Frisco for the opener. Um, so make sure you're supporting us, patreon.com slash soccer, supporting our work, supporting our travel, supporting all the expenses that come with doing something like that. Um, and also, but if you're if you're going to be down in Dallas, um, we're going to try. I've been in touch with, uh, with the Wonderwall Away group about potentially doing some sort of meetup in Dallas prior to the match. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for that. There may be some information on social media as we get closer to next Saturday on, uh, on when and where we'd love to meet all the Minnesota United fans that are down there, um, for the match. Uh, you know, love to get your thoughts on what we're doing at the website and, uh, and just, just hang out and and get to know some of y'all. So hopefully we can make that happen as well. But again, if you want to help support the work we're doing and potentially, you know, allow us to go to more road matches this season for Minnesota, uh, make sure you're subscribing to that Patreon, patreon.com slash soda soccer, which is where you'll also get 10 K stoppage time. Dom and I discussing maybe some potential breakout stars for Minnesota United in 2023. Kind of who needs to take that next step for Minnesota sans Reynoso and just in general, if the loons are going to take, are going to continue that playoff streak that they're on. That's over right now. Patreon.com slash soda soccer. So we'll see you there. If not, no worries. We'll catch you for another edition of 10,000 pitches next weekend. See you guys.